Welcome to MuggleCast 390. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And we're joined by one of our Slug Club members this week, Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey. Sam, I am. My name is Sam. <laughs> you are living in Minnesota, but you are in the Chicagoland area this morning, right? Yes, I am. Cool. And you came at the recommendation of one of our friends, Irvin, who said, you got to have Sam on to talk about the House of Gaunt. So I'm so excited. <laughs> Irvin's the best. <laughs> Yeah, he's a great guy. Very, very smart when it comes to Harry Potter. So it's nice to have you on today. Let's get your fandom ID. In one breath, give us your favorite book, movie, Elver Morning House, Hogwarts House, Patronus, and general Harry Potter experience. Like, what's a trip or show or fan moment that's really stood out to you? Um, my favorite book is a tie between the fourth and the sixth. My favorite movie, am I allowed to say Dear Reader, Wizard People? Um, I'm not a huge fan of the movies. Okay. Um, I hate the third one so much. <laughs> Ilfermorny, um, ugh, I have no idea of Icon. I don't even know what the houses are. And then Hogwarts, I'm a Slitherpuff, but I lean more Hufflepuff. Um, my Patronus, which is weird, it's a squirrel, and I'm petrified of squirrels. <laughs> so that's fun. And then ex- experience uh last year i did 19 years later in or years later in london and then this year i went to scotland at the hogwarts express very cool and in yeah in scotland and then in uh in new york i ran the marauders discussion with urban so the 19 years later experience can you just briefly what what is that exactly it was when harry in the last book the epilogue took his kids to um platform nine three quarters so a bunch of us in new york city and my best friend in chicago we all met up in london and we went to the, the train station and we counted down till 11 o'clock and then we actually boarded a train in our hogwarts robes and then went to a castle and had afternoon tea and it was amazing that's awesome anyway thank you again for joining us this week and we'll talk about this chapter the house of gaunt in a little bit but first one piece of news so tickets for The Crimes of Grindelwald are officially on sale. And to celebrate the occasion, a new promo video, I guess you could call it a featurette, was released in which J.K. Rowling talks about the plot of the film a little bit. And we're just going to play the audio because it's pretty interesting. Grindelwald's been in jail in New York for a few months. The decision is made to move him back to Europe, where he has to answer for the crimes that he has committed, and inevitably he escapes. Credence survives. And for Credence, the big question now is... I want to know who I am. The path has been laid, and he is following it. The trail that will lead him to me. The reason everyone goes to Paris, really, is Credence. Credence may not know who he is yet, but he needs to be found. And I rather hope you might be the one to find him. Dumbledore has to maneuver to try and stop Grindelwald's rise. Dumbledore. There is a new threat as Grindelwald mobilizes. He's a master manipulator, and that is why he is so dangerous. We're heading toward war. Everyone's choosing sides. Things are becoming much more dark and complicated, and people's allegiances are now being exposed. We must rise up and take our rightful place in the world. 
we're now getting into the meat of the story and everything gets darker and more intricate. Whatever you think you know at the end of the movie might not be the case. So a couple interesting things there. First of all, a few months have passed since the last movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. That was the first time I think we found out exactly what the time jump is. And then everyone is going to Paris for Credence. I think we expected like a couple people were, but apparently everybody goes to Paris for Credence. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, what does that mean? I'm wondering how they know that he is somebody, right? Like we... We know through the trailers and stuff that he's like a secret Lestrange or somebody who his father was. But I don't know how that's like just now everyone knows. Um, yeah. And 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 what are the stakes? Just because he's a Lestrange, they've all got to go to Paris? What do you mean, though? I mean, he made a pretty big spectacle at the end of the first film. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, it That is a big question, I think. And then there's that one line from Grindelwald. You may not have known that it was him, but you, it does cut to him. Grindelwald is very interested in Credence as well, um, which I guess isn't a big surprise given what happens in the first movie. But yeah, I don't know. It just seems to all come down to Credence. I love that line from Credence where he just goes, I want to know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) It's like so deadpan. Very emo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) JK Rowling. He's going to be emo this. Perfectly. Mm. He's going to be emo this whole movie, isn't he? Mm -hmm. Nagini. You're kind of cool, but I want to know who I am. One other thing, though, too, that I thought was interesting is we got the reasoning behind the title of the movie from J.K. Rowling, saying that he's being brought back to Europe to answer for his crimes. Yeah. Still, though, like, I'm not loving this title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's a dumb title. (laughs) How do you feel about Fantastic Beasts on a whole, Sam? Do you like it so far? Oh, I, I love the first one. Yeah. Um... This, I'm starting to warm up the second ones. The last trailer, I really liked it. Yeah. But I'm, I don't know. It just seems like so much is going on that I, what, I think it might be a cluster. Mm. It's a lot to wrap your head around. <laughs> we'll see how J.K. Rowling pulled it off. But I'm getting more excited. Like that, I thought that feature was very good. And it was nice to hear J.K. Rowling share some things. And hopefully nobody really considered that stuff spoilery since... They released it officially. Yeah, I mean, you know? spoiler alert, yeah. uh, these films are getting darker and more complicated. <laughs> it's all getting darker and war is coming. It's only just... the second film, but it's getting darker. Yeah, we're going to hear that for the next <laughs> like eight years. It's mm-hmm. getting darker, darker, darker. There's there's not a family film in sight for Fantastic Beasts. I mean, remember when Harry Potter was a family movie? It was like, you know, ugh, yeah, I miss those days. <laughs> Maybe they mean darker in color. <laughs> darker in color. Yeah. What's that? What's what's that Fallout Boy song? I I need. I if there's something darker than black, I would wear it. That's that's going to be in the next oh movie. My God. <laughs> well, just speaking of crimes of Grindelwald, uh, we will be discussing uh, some news in bonus Mugglecast at uh, the tail end of the show for our patrons. We have some new information on a our friend Yusuf Kama, as well as some new TV trailers that uh, snuck in a few interesting scenes that uh, are worth discussing. So that's Mm. coming up later on in bonus MuggleCast. Also coming up, we have a Dancing with the Stars update, and we got some voicemails to listen to, and then we'll get to chapter by chapter. But first, I wanted to ask you guys something. We've all grown up together over the years, and something we may not have been thinking about when we were kids was making investments right yeah who would have thought 
this would be a subject on this show 13 years later. But you should be thinking about investments. And here's the thing. Investing in stocks, funds, options, cryptocurrencies isn't hard. And that's thanks to Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, funds, options, and cryptos all commission-free. And they strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. But giving users a simple and intuitive design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Years ago, I dabbled in the stock market, and it wasn't very easy. Um, there weren't apps for it, and the interfaces were clunky. They were really only for professional stock traders, the serious guys on Wall Street. But now Robinhood makes it super easy to buy and sell. In fact, you can place a trade in just four taps. And if you're wondering what you should invest in, Robinhood makes deciding easy as well. On their web platform, you can view stock collections like the 100 most popular stocks, the entertainment stocks, the social media stocks, and curated categories like female CEOs. While there, you can see analyst ratings of buy, hold, sell for every stock. And amazingly, Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Other services charge up to $10 for every trade. I want you to be thinking about your future and where you're putting your money. We can't spend it all on birdie bots, scratch and sniff books. <laughs> so why not invest in the markets? <laughs> we have a special offer for our listeners. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. This is legit. We've tried it. We know it. it's it's real. Free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint. Sign up at mugglecast.robinhood.com. Well, That's mugglecast.robinhood.com. Were you going to say something? Just whoa. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I, I wondered I wondered where we were gonna have the conversation about needing to invest, so here here we are. <laughs> We've reached an age. It was inevitable. So uh Eric, what's going on with Ivana on Dancing with the Stars? So Ivana and Keo have made it to another week. They were actually, you guys, they were in jeopardy this week. Um Oh, not enough people voted? I'm still, you know, I'm still not sure. They got all eights from the judges. It was Trio's week. And as I mentioned on last week's Smugglecast uh, during the Dancing with the Stars update, actress Scarlett Byrne joined Evie and Keo in dancing. It was Trio's week. So the three of them danced. They did a, uh, a salsa to the song Black Magic by Little Mix. And, you know, I thought it was good. Michael, what were your thoughts? I thought it was good, but... Uh... Apparently, they ended up in the bottom two, but that was from the vote of the previous week, which is when they danced to Hedwig's theme. So uh, hopefully they did enough to uh, keep them safe coming up on uh, Monday night. Yeah, I don't I, I guess they're using the, the votes from the previous week to inform the new week and whether you're in jeopardy or not. It, it, bottom line is, I think not enough people are voting. So. Uh, just shout out, you know, I, I tend to tweet out the hotline number on Monday nights when it's time to vote, um, retweet for MuggleCast, like the number is on both Evie and Keo's social, even it's weird to me still how their dancing doesn't affect their safe, like whether or not they're getting a limit, like they could be a great dancer. This is dancing with the stars. It's not a popularity contest for crying out loud. It's a dancing contest. So they should have. They should have had one of us. Ivana should have invited one of us on for the trio week. <laughs> I think we would have driven the votes. Scarlett did great. You know, on trios week, what usually happens is people utilize the advantage of having another, like a second professional dancer. Um, mm -hmm. But Scarlett did did fantastic. So, you know, one thing that might be a saving grace going into next week, it's Disney week. 
And Ivana and Kia will be, it was actually Ooh. announced there'll be jazz dancing, which first of all, jazz dancing is awesome. Uh, the song, though, from Disney is When Will My Life Begin from the movie Tangled. Can they do like a dance interpretation of like Credence's mood in this next movie? Like very emo and dramatic. Yeah, once once they get to like performance art week of uh, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. Yeah, interpretive dance. I want to know who I am. <laughs> Somebody tell me. Well, I would say, Eric, the only challenge there, though, is even if they knock it out of the park on Monday night, they're being judged based on what they did this past week. So it, it that that's what confuses me about the show, because even if you do an amazing job, you're not being judged right in the moment on that particular performance. You're getting scored on it in the moment, but the whether you're safe or not seems to come from the previous week's votes. So. At any rate, um, I, I think in general, the longevity of their routines, it's just been great to see them every week uh, and, and Evie, you know, making it this far. You know, funnily enough, um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to say I did a search because I was like, I remember I saw somewhere that the song would be from Tangled. And all I did was search Luna Tangled or Ivana Lynch Tangled. It turns out that for a very long time, the Internet has been sort of fan casting Ivana as Rapunzel from Tangled in like a live action, like, you know, on Tumblr, you're just like, oh, you know, my ideal, let's do the yeah. whole Disney live action thing. And I found just there's just tons of fan art of Ivana Lynch as Rapunzel or Rapunzel as Luna. And it's kind of fun to see. I didn't know this was a thing on the Internet, but just a quick Google search turned it up. Also, just want to give a uh, quick plug for our latest giveaway on Patreon. I'm giving away a box of my Harry Potter crap. That giveaway is happening now. Sam, I hope you enter. It's I'm going to. Oh, good. It's two boxes of stuff. I want your crap. <laughs> MuggleNet stickers, Harry Potter house, Hogwarts house socks, and MuggleCast t-shirts. And it's just a random giveaway. Make some, do some spring cleaning. I can't hold on to everything. So I'm doing that. And then I think Eric and Mike are also going to give away boxes of crap as well. Absolutely. And we're calling it crap lovingly. It's just for fun. And then we're <laughs> going to have stuff. the three people on the show that win the box of crap and they're going to evaluate whose box of crap was better (laughs) (laughs) and then they're going to replace us entirely and host a show that's a great idea gives us a week off yeah yeah we we are we are nothing but our boxes of harry potter crap that we've collected (laughs) (laughs) so again that's over at patreon.com slash mugglecast let's listen to some voicemails now this first one is a connection between uh, Sorcerer Stone and Deathly Hollows, and a couple other things as well. Hey, Mugglecasters, this is Gomio calling from Japan. I'm listening to the Half Blood Prince chapter episode, and uh, you were talking about connections between the books. I just wanted to mention one connection you never brought up when you uh, did book seven, the chapter by chapter, was that in book one, the twins sing the Hogwarts school song to the tune of a funeral march. And in book seven, Fred dies. I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure you didn't talk about that. Also, you were playing a song whenever a character died, and I think you kind of blew it on Fred's song. I don't remember what song you played, but I think you should have played Freddy's Dead by Curtis Mayfield from the Superfly soundtrack. One more thing, you talk about Snape referring to the Horcruxes, but uh, Snape didn't know anything about them. Dumbledore kept that from everybody but Harry. Love the show. Peace. I had forgotten that we used to play songs when characters died. <laughs> that was a great idea. 
<laughs> Should we? Can you pull up this song that he recommended? Freddie's dead. Uh, yeah. Did he say Curtis Mayfield? I think so. Or yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the song that he wishes we played. is too happy yeah 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 <laughs> oh fred was a happy guy that's what i said let the bear rebel clown say it's in him home but his hope was a rope and he should have known it's hard to understand okay well we respect your choice yeah man uh i feel like i'm on hold right now with like comcast or somebody i'm trying to lower my bill um, yeah <laughs> but it's it's a good it's one of those happy songs which is like really infectious like there's not enough of that in this world so yeah yeah i think maybe i might be wrong but maybe we used to play dramatic songs when these character dies i mean a little not bit more characters died yeah um if umbridge had died we would have played like ding dong the witch is dead but celebrate good times come on (laughs) that's we played that on the show before mostly around new year's (laughs) all right here's our next voicemail hey mogul guys this is chris again i just got done listening to the newest episode about the quirky walrus and i just had a quick thought i was kind of curious what your guys's opinion would be or thoughts would be on how hogwarts is ran today like, uh, who would be headmaster, headmistress, if any of the old teachers would still be around, if there'd be any new teachers with students that we already know, such as Neville or Hermione. Um, kind of curious what you guys think about that, and if you could have a possible quick discussion about it. Um, and my other thing is, uh, speaking on the newts and the owls, I'm actually pretty glad to see that the teachers kind of have a dictation on where they go with their newts, what their expectations are, because that breaks it down from teacher from student to student and not just a standardized, this is what it has to be. Being that I was in high school probably about 10 years ago and we had standardized testing, I absolutely hated the fact of it because it wasn't about who the student was or what the student's strengths were. It was all based on what the government said was it okay. Mm So I'm glad to see it go that way. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are. Um, yeah, you guys are doing awesome. Been listening for about a year and a half now, and it's just absolutely amazing. Well, have a good one. Bye. Thanks, Chris. That was the point I was I was getting at. We don't need these broad brushes being painted over who can take what classes. Um, you know, let the teachers decide what's best for their individual students. I like that. I think that definitely is the better approach even though i know i raised the question last week as to whether or not there should be some sort of standard in place but i like that uh what he said about just working directly with the student knowing their strengths and their areas to improve upon and then just making a decision as to whether or not they're able to take that next level course as far as the teachers still at hogwarts i know we know that neville is there just based on, I think it's the epilogue, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. He teaches herbology. But I'd like to think there's still some professors who are around uh, teaching their classes. I don't see why Slughorns couldn't still be teaching 
potions or McGonagall transfiguration. I mean, I'm disregarding probably a lot of information that's up on Pottermore right now, but... Um, is she had mistress when Neville is teaching? That's that's a good question. I I don't know. I I do feel like there's probably some information on Pottermore about who is taken over officially as as headmaster or headmistress. Well, she must mm-hmm. be because she's the headmistress in the cursed child when like which nineteen years after oh yeah the school. So unless it mm-hmm. was still, I mean Snape wasn't. I think if McGonagall is that- came in. Being treated as the actual canon, though. Well, yeah, yeah. that's a question. <laughs> but Cursed Child had a real opportunity to introduce some of these other teachers for different classes and didn't. Um, you know, which is interesting because the whole thing is set in the future. We could have figured out. I don't know if there's maybe a throwaway mention to another teacher that's going that Scorpius or Alba Severus are having to deal with, but it's mostly about the callbacks, not the world building call forwards mm-hmm. they could have done. I'd bet Professor yeah. Bins is still there. Probably. Oh, he has to be. It's a safe bet. I mean, I I think most of these teachers, as we learn in this series, they they live for a really long time, <laughs> these wizards and witches. So I think they hang around at the school long after the seventh Harry Potter book. I'm just looking at the Wikia for McGonagall, and it reminds me that Cursed Child is set in 2020. So, so yes, McGonagall, in fact, she's, we can, we already know she's teaching two years from now still, or sorry, she's the headmistress. Can, yeah, can she be headmistress and also be teaching as well? Uh, that seems like too much work, personally. Yeah. I wouldn't sign so up for that. They probably have a different transfiguration teacher right now. Yeah. 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 Although, I don't know, was Dumbledore that busy during the Harry Potter books? Maybe he could have taught as well. All right, here's a theory about Lita. Hey, MuggleCast. This is Denise again. Sorry about that last voicemail. <laughs> um, I was just listening to the most recent episode, and Eric commented on the uh, picture that was released, um, and it said that Grindelwald was in the Lestrange mausoleum. Um, do you think that maybe Theseus convinced Lita to try to get Grindelwald to Post there so that he could get he could lure him in to trap him. We did see Newt and Theseus fighting in a graveyard. Maybe they lured him there to capture him and kind of use Lita as because of her name uh, to get him there and to tell him, "Hey, you can use this area." Um, and then you know, eventually get him and catch him. Uh, just a thought. Bye. I like that idea. It's a trap. <laughs> he he seems to be doing uh, quite well with that, that setup for venue. Uh, even if it were a trap, the hundreds of witches and wizards that are audience members in that mausoleum uh, all seem to, you know, if they're into Grindelwald the way that they appear to be into Grindelwald, they'll probably help him escape. Um, you know, a massive crowd mm. of people is not what you'd, uh, consider ideal situations for if you're trying to catch somebody or, you know, close, yeah. close the walls, close the snare, whatever that is. Power in numbers. Yeah. And then speaking of Lita, we have this other voicemail. Hey, MuggleCast. This is Kevin N. Whistle from San Francisco, and I'm a huge fan of the show. I've been listening every week for 
uh, about two years, maybe three. And I just wanted to tell you about a couple of things. The first one is that my, my current theory for Lita and Theseus's relationship, shall we call it, is that Theseus was in the process of escorting Grindelwald to his cell when Lita came and imperiused him and helped in Grindelwald's escape. I don't know how this exactly fits with Abernathy um, being supposedly helping, because in my mind, um, Lita would take the place that you guys have been speculating that Abernathy has. And a uh, second thing is that I cannot wait for Chris Child to come here to San Francisco. I'm sure it's coming, no matter what, because they're not losing this lawsuit. Uh, so thanks for talking about that a couple weeks ago. And finally, I just wanted to tell you that I was at a secondhand bookstore today, and I found the British editions of Philosopher's Stone, Prisoner of Azkaban, and Half-Blood Prince. And I think they're first editions, maybe second editions, something like that. But they were a dollar each, and so I was like, I'm grabbing this and buy out the store. And I also was able to get Career, or not Career Review, Cuckoo's Calling and um, Silkworm for a really awesome price there, too. So just thought that I'd tell you about this, and I hope to hear myself on the show soon. Bye. Well, you're in luck. First of all, I like how confident he is that Cursed Child is definitely coming to San Francisco, despite this brewing legal battle. <laughs> um, but I also wanted to ask you guys, do you ever, when you go into secondhand bookstores, do you ever like try to find the Harry Potter stuff to see if you can find anything like special? Yeah, no, I haven't. <laughs> For me, there's a local chain here. Um, do you guys have Half Price Books? Sam, have you ever heard of Half Price Books? I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah. So there's one in, uh, well, I don't want to give away my secret location in Chicagoland. <laughs> but every 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 time I go there, seriously, every time I go there, they have a selection of, uh, they have a section dedicated to board games. And I have found the original board games that were, that came out before the Harry Potter films there's a number of them. There's a Sorcerer's Stone trivia game. There's a Mystery at Hogwarts, which is a direct ripoff of Clue. There is also a game that recreates the seven challenges of the Sorcerer's Stone like oh. journey. So like the three-headed dog, etc. There's like seven mini games in one. And the boxes are decorated like the first Harry Potter book, like the cover of the first Harry Potter book with the, you know, the style, like the yeah. very Mary Grand Prix-esque does castles kind of artwork and the um, circus tent style diamonds. I always open up the Cuckoo's Callings when I see them at used bookstores because I'm I'm hopeful that one day I'm going to find one that doesn't have J.K. Rowling's name in it. I already have one of those, I'm proud to say, but like it would be amazing to find another one because there were so few of them prior to the big leak, the big reveal. Yeah. So if you're ever in a secondhand bookstore, look at the Cuckoo's Calling if if you see it there. I saw one a couple a uh, couple months ago in a used bookstore. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to open it. J.K. Rowling's name isn't going to be there and it's going to be worth a lot of money. I felt like I was opening up like a scratching off a lottery ticket or something, opening up a Willy Wonka chocolate bar. And then you only see? won $1. Right. Yeah. It was worthless. <laughs> Had J.K. Rowling's name in it. Yeah. What do you think about his theory around Lita helping Grindelwald escape? Maybe she's fooling Theseus into thinking that she's on his side, but really she's on Grindelwald's side? Perhaps. I, but why would she get engaged to him? It sounds like an unnecessary red tape of, <laughs> now I have to extricate myself from this relationship. I don't know. It's it's 
there's still just so many unanswered questions I have about Lita, her possible previous relationship and or feelings for Newt, how Newt feels about it, and this whole Theseus thing. But maybe it's an act. Maybe it is an act. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Now, the whole her being engaged to Theseus is very odd when that came out. Um, is there any chance? I mean, I know Theseus is trying to hunt him down, Grindelwald, but could he potentially kind of hear what Grindelwald's saying and agree with it? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And at the, we didn't mention this, but at the end of that featurette that we played earlier, J.K. Rowling was like, you might think, think things are one way by the end of the movie, but really they're not. So I think there's going to be surprises sort of like that. Yeah. Like what you're alluding to, Sam. Okay, so it's almost time for chapter by chapter. But first, we have another new sponsor this week who helps you eat healthier. They are Green Chef. This is a USDA certified organic company that sends you everything you need to easily cook delicious meals that you can feel good about. And no, Molly Weasley's amazing cooking skills aren't required. Green Chef is a food delivery company for so many types of eaters, and that's one thing I love about them. They have paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, carnivore meal plans, giving you lots of options. With Green Chef, it's easy to maintain a specialty diet and enjoy exciting new meals. My boyfriend and I have received a couple of the omnivore boxes now, and we've been loving them. First of all, they put the calorie counts right on the recipe card, so you know exactly what you're about to put in you. They don't hide it. They're proud of the nutrition in their food, and that's comforting to me. It shows they really care about the nutrition of their meals. We've cooked chicken salad lettuce wraps, Italian sausages with potato mash, Italian sausage ragu, roasted lemon pepper chicken. I loved all of them, but if I had to pick one that was my favorite, I'd say the Italian sausages and potato mash. They were so good, and it was so refreshing to cook some delicious meals that were healthier than what we would normally make. Normally on the weekends, we're making crap. Eating up pizza. <laughs> With Green Chef's wide variety of organic ingredients, you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. I want you to try this. Check out their menus. I'm sure you're going to find something you like because they have a range of options. Um, they go from global cuisines to classic comfort foods, all with a signature touch. And again, they cover so many specialty diets. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash mugglecast. Again, for $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash mugglecast. Time now for Half-Blood Prince, chapter by chapter, chapter 10, The House of Gaunt. Sam, we heard that this is one of your favorite chapters in the series. Is that right? Yes, it is. Um, I love it. It's so dark and it shattered what I thought was Voldemort's parents' background, um, what we learned in chapter or in a book two and even book four and just kind of shattered everything I learned. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. So we're going to start off by creating a seven word summary. I think you know how this works because you listen. We'll take turns contributing one word to our summary. Sam, you're in a bit of a tough position because you're right in the middle. So (laughs) it's going to be a challenge. You control the direction that it goes in. All right. (laughs) Yep, yep. So, Eric, you're going to start this week. All right. I will start with the word A. Memory. <laughs> Comes. Before. Another. <laughs> Memory comes before another. Big. Dig. 
Oh, big. Big. B-I-G. Memory comes before another big, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to say reveal. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, it fits, but I will say that is the worst one it we've fits. ever done. <laughs> At least the other one that was yeah. crazy was funny. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> All right. So we're going to focus. I think we need to ban one letter words. Ban one mem- uh, one letter words. Interesting. Oh, why? No, because like the and uh, I mean, the is not a one letter word, but what are you singling out my first word? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a total cop out to go with a it doesn't it. You could have come up with a better first no, word. No, no, it a. specifies, dude, it specifies singular or plural. I, I'm like totally giving you guys a gift by that giving that word. I, I don't <laughs> sure. So he's don't passing the blame first. to you, Micah. Took a lot of thought to come up with a. <laughs> <laughs> it, I deliberated for like 15 minutes this morning while I was getting my morning tea. (laughs) Okay. I I believe you. Okay. So for this chapter, we're going to focus on the meat of the chapter instead of what happens before and after. Um, But that said, at the beginning, uh, Hermione is disappointed that Harry is relying on mystery person's notes still. And it's interesting that she's so by the book, even though she sees Harry having a lot of success while she is not it it makes you kind of it it just speaks to Hermione being so book smart while Harry and other characters in the series like Fred and George are street smart Um, but Hermione just refuses to adopt the street smart lifestyle (laughs) furthermore it says in the book that Harry offers to share his prince's notes with Ron and Hermione and Hermione kind of doubles down on using the what she calls quote the the official you know instructions Mm -hmm. and she's just very very stubborn about it and ron's excuse is so dumb it's a ron couldn't yeah he can't read the handwriting he can't read (laughs) it that's real though that's that's real enough i have trouble sometimes with you know you can only read your handwriting or handwriting that's similar to yours it's the same thing right but it just really plays into painting him as a lazy character like he'd rather fail <laughs> than try to read the handwriting <laughs> yeah if anyone else had got the half-blood prince book do you think hermione would have reported them probably because ron and harry she just lets it slide while complaining to them yeah yeah because when you're close friends like that you gotta let certain things like that slide you gotta look out for each other yeah whereas if yeah. i don't know neville had it or something she wouldn't mind ratting him out or definitely somebody in another another house, maybe not Neville. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily see it as cheating though, because what's the difference? You're following what's you know what's his name, Libatius Borge. You're you're following what he has written in advanced potion making versus just what somebody else wrote in advanced potion making. So right, it's not it's not necessarily you know cheating. I I guess it kind of is, but. It, it's definitely cheating. It's like if somebody wrote the Scantron answers down, like if you were handed a random Scantron entry answer form that was already filled out and you're just like, okay, I'm going to go with this. But it could be like potions kind of like science where someone else could have a different approach. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. And I mean, clearly is it is a different approach, but Hermione still doesn't respect it. Or like no. Eric did this, made the Scantron example. It'd be like, it is kind of like going on cliffnotes.com or one of those sites where you can just get like the path 
the path that you need. Like, yeah, you're not doing your own research or making your own conclusions at all. Yeah. And even though Harry got like an exceeds expectations in potions last year, he has just zero intuition seemingly for potions and is not making any changes. He's just going off of this. What I, I would call it cheating. But he's not allowed to have that book when he takes an exam, though, is he? He still has to know oh, what that, he's doing. That's true. That's Maybe. a good point. Yeah. But in many cases, those exams are potions they've already made or yeah. studied. Yeah. Right. But he still has to do the work to remember how to make the potion. Right. But if he had already done it the cheating way, then he just needs to remember the cheating way. I, I don't necessarily see it as a cheating way. I see it as an alternate way of making the potion. Yeah. Um, and I don't see a difference in learning it from you. Know, the funny thing is, at the end of the day, he's still learning potions from Snape. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But one thing that Slughorn said that kind of struck me was that uh, he didn't remember teaching somebody so talented. But did he not teach Snape if he taught Lily? That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. And, And maybe Snape was brilliant, but was so withdrawn in potions that, you know, he didn't stand out to Slughorn. I mean, that's a... I'd say it's a world-shattering kind of revelation, Micah, that you just asked, because Snape would clearly have excelled. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to figure stuff, because he did write the Half-Blood Prince book, so he was busy figuring things out and how it actually works, so he wasn't, at the time, kind of showing off. Harry got the aftermath of it, like the the prize of all Snape's work. Yeah, But Snape wouldn't have been failing potions at any point. No, no. Haley, who's listening live, is uh, sounding off. She says, I wouldn't consider it cheating. The dishonesty comes in when he's getting recognition for his skills without saying where his insight is coming from. That's a good point. I I agree with that. So, and then just one other point on this scene. Hermione speculates that the prince could be a girl. And Harry says, a a woman can't be a prince, which I think I actually even mentioned (laughs) last week or two weeks ago. (laughs) But it is a bit of foreshadowing. Since Snape chose this name because Prince is his mother's last name. That is how, um, you know, the name Half-Blood Prince came to be. So Hermione actually is kind of right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before we jump into the memory, I I did want to mention Trelawney because nothing that she says is by coincidence. I think it all has relevance in one way or another. and, And Harry kind of runs into her on the way to go see Dumbledore, not directly, like he just overhears her. And she has like a sequence of things that she says. Uh, it's two of spades, conflict, seven of spades, an ill omen, 10 of spades, violence, and then knave of spades, a dark young man, possibly troubled, one who dislikes the questioner. And these apply to all of the different memories that Harry encounters with, Dumbledore and sort of the whole background of of Voldemort. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's 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 funny because like as a first time reader, you're not really paying attention to any of this stuff. But as as you just said, like <laughs> nothing is by mistake in terms of Trelawney. Yeah. Especially the one we're about to enter. The conflict is very apparent um, between Bob Ogden and and the gaunt family yeah Mm -hmm. 
So let's talk about that. This is Harry's first lesson with Dumbledore. And they step into Bob Ogden's memory of an encounter with the Gaunts. Uh, Bob Ogden was an old Department of Magical Law Enforcement officer. He is visiting the family to issue a summons to Morphin, who used magic on an unarmed muggle, who we later learn is Tom Riddle, the father of Voldemort, so Tom Riddle Sr., uh, we also learned that Merope had a cru- Merope or Merope? Merope. It's it's actually Merope, but I will never not say Merope. Okay. Incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. So Merope, now I, now I feel weird saying it, uh, had a crush on Tom and later used a love potion to make him fall in love with her. So we learn a lot of information. This is really a chapter where Harry and Dumbledore are kind of just sitting back and watching and then they... They recap everything they learned after back in Dumbledore's office. Uh, but the name origin here of Murupi is actually interesting too, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's very relevant. Um, something that J.K. Rowling has done a very good job of uh, throughout the course of, of the Potter series. Murupi is one of the seven Pleiades sisters. And um, these sisters in Greek mythology were chased down uh, by Orion. and uh, their mother actually asked Zeus to turn them into stars, and it's said that Merope is the faintest of the stars because she was the only one of the sisters to have married a mortal. Mm. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I guess it's not crazy, but it's crazy that you planned it that way. Yeah, this is a little bit of a different twist. Uh, Merope obviously doesn't marry a mortal. She kind of hoodwinks one. In a muggle. muggle, yeah, a muggle, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but um, it it also could speak to Merope's presumed uh magical ability as well. Uh, her father calls her a dirty squib, and her her magic is very very faint because of the abusive situation that she lives in day in day out. At least for the first part, when her brother and father are still living with her, so she also has like sort of a faint magical ability can't even repair the pot when it shatters that kind of a thing right and she's the odd one out yeah. i mean that's what i get from this name origin mm-hmm. so we learned that um th- we're just learning for the first time voldemort's origins here he was born from a sham romance now i have a i have a big question that is you know serious it's not funny was tom riddle senior raped yes yes okay i'm glad we're in agreement about that like it's not the traditional rape that we would think of but she did take advantage of him against his will yeah he loses his agency and he would never do that under his free will yeah it's it you know i i never really thought of it this way and like reading it as a kid it it was just like oh life love potion haha but yeah it's much more serious. Yeah, it is more serious. And like, it's it's so odd that it comes from some so odd, but also kind of elegant that it comes from such a sympathetic character. Mm. You you yes. feel bad. For, you feel bad for Merope when she's being strangled by her father. Like, oh, my God, Bob Ogden, do something, Ogden, you know. Um, And it shows that everybody's capable of great crime. Mm. And you have the victim who is arrogant snobby rude but the described as a villager is that way rich so it's 
Yeah. So it's not clear black and white. Yeah. Kind of getting to what you were just saying, Eric, is is Murphy's family lineage partly to blame here? I mean, this is a messed up family with inbreeding, um, just bad parenting, uh, an obsession with the pure blood line. Can we sympathize with Murphy a little bit? I mean, I feel bad for her, but just excuse her actions. Yeah. And then also relevant is Murphy's is just treated so poorly by Morphin and Marvelo that she's turned into a squib. Why do we think that she did this? She clearly had a crush on Tom Riddle, but did she was she so desperate for some good in her life that she wanted to make somebody love her to find some sort of happiness? Is that what was Yeah, I don't she probably no social skills. Yeah. So she found no other way to do it. Yeah. The the means available to her were limited. And even thinking about, you know, when she's pregnant and is devastated by the loss of of by by Tom leaving her. I mean, I, I don't know. The whole thing is like it, it's a very, very sad story because the whole reason that her plan fails or that Tom ever wakes up is because she stops administering love potions. She deludes herself into believing that it's real. She's sort of forgotten that sort of the heinous thing that she's done and when Tom leaves her is so devastated that she loses her life that she doesn't stay. I mean, I'm remembering the scene in, in um, I thought it was book two, but actually it's later in this book at the orphanage when young Tom Riddle, um, I think says my dad must've been the wizard because my mom couldn't have been cause she died um, and is equating, you know, magical ability to immortality, even at a young age um, but in reality, we see his mother, who we later found out was the witch, was was just weak and died. And it's because of that she loved this this muggle. Yeah. And she wasn't a squib, at least from what we learn. I think it was just repressed magical ability. She was so fear fearful of her father and, and probably her brother to some extent that her abilities just were not able to come to full form inside of that house but if she's able to create a love potion if she's able to keep tom riddle under this spell clearly she is probably a very gifted witch and and her powers didn't come to be until she was able to finally free herself from from that house yeah right yeah she's also a potential candidate for i mean she's not she we know she's not an obscurial but there's something there with repressed magical ability where she could be something like that. Um, you know, because yep. we know you're not supposed to deny yourself of your magical identity, but she's just kind of abused into not using her magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's suppression or if it's she just is scared to use it. Yeah. Like, I don't think she's trying to hide, yeah, hide it. It's more of she just can't. That's fair. Yeah. It's so it's like, you know, you need confidence in in order to perform a lot of different tasks in life. And if the confidence isn't there like it wasn't with her, then you're not able to do it. So I think that's something maybe we don't really ever think about or talk about much. It's like most wizards and witches they're confident in their abilities for the most part, so they are able to pull off the magic, but like you know, Neville in his student years, not exactly very talented. He also lacked confidence. So that could have been a part of it. Part of it. Part right. of not being successful. Very true. 
I have a, a what if question though. What if Bob Ogden just kind of runs away and doesn't report what happened to the ministry and send people? Is Voldemort ever born? Is is Bob Ogden directly responsible for the birth of Voldemort? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I love that. No, because correct me where where I'm wrong here, but I mean, she was still going to use that love potion on him, wasn't she? But wasn't she only able to brew it after they left? Yeah. Right. So them being there, she's not able to? Yeah, but if there's like a will, there's a way. Like she must have That's desired true. to do it anyway. She could have gone and brewed it somewhere else, maybe. It's a good question, though. For us. someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's It kind of, it's the timing kind of works out as well that Tom Riddle Sr. was not yet married. Um, I think he was engaged to Cecilia, Cecilia. but uh, not married yet. I don't know if Merope ever would have backed off if he had been married at the time or had one or two children. Like the, the, the love potion angle is bad enough and it is rape. But I wonder if the progression of time, so if Bob Ogden hadn't come back with the force and arrested Morphin and, and Marvolo, whether or not she would have been able to use the love potion in time, mm-hmm. um, whether she would have been well enough or, you know, and whether she would have actually gone for it. I think she finds herself with a lot of time on her hands and still has this affection and decides to to use it, you know, decides to improve her yeah. living situation. So, Sam, I know one thing you wanted to talk about was Tom Sr. and Merope. Do we blame Tom for abandoning his son? What What are your thoughts on this? I don't one bit. Um, he was raped. That's the main point I have. And the fact that we don't know how these love potions work long term. We don't know if he has memory loss. Did he wake up and there's some chick standing there saying, hey, I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I mean... <laughs> And then if we reverse the roles as well, would we blame Merope for not wanting to raise this child that she had through rape? Right. Well, so do you find that a lot of fans blame Tom? When I go online, I do see a lot of fans labeling him as the worst dad. He should have stayed there for um, Voldemort. Um, And it, yeah, according to Rowling, had his mom stayed chose to stay alive, or had Tom Riddle Senior stayed, Voldemort probably wouldn't have been Voldemort. Mm. Um, but sorry, like I don't blame Tom for skipping out. And then I just think back to like the fourth book where he's described as rude and or worse than his parents, and I just wonder like, could he possibly be suffering from PTSD? I mean, he like comes home and it's been months and Cecilia's probably gone, married off. And just comparing um, Love Potion to like Rufy's, you have like isolation, paranoia. I mean, how how the heck can this guy ever trust reality again? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, Yeah. And and knowing that he chose not to uh, parent the child right away, I'm not sure he could have found his own kid if he had decided to go looking, I mean, Merope went to a, just some random orphanage in London. It's true. He has the same name as his kid, but there's no reason he should know that, um, the dad. And then you never really know what happens to the kid until 16 years later, he shows up up at your door and murders you. Um, I was wondering, I was wondering about that. Cause, because when you, when Cedric was killed, I don't remember the look of horror on his face being described. 
Do you think when, because they describe the riddles as having a look of horror on their face, do you think the look of horror was because they were like, wait, who the hell is this kid? He looks just like me. Like the look of horror of realizing, oh my God, I did have a kid. Yeah. I, I like to imagine that there's a pretty uh, furtive conversation that happens between. Oh, yeah. Like he would shout at his dad for a little bit at least um and then when finding out the full extent of no your mom legit hoodwinked me um couldn't bear the shame of it and then kind of reacted in a killing maybe he killed the dad his dad first and then killed the grandparents and the grandparents were uh horror stricken because of seeing their son die so i always thought the horror stricken was just a result of killing curse but then rereading i was like no way it's just those three that had the look of horror yeah. Sam, do you think Tom was conflicted about abandoning him, abandoning abandoning his son though? Do you think he was I yeah, I have two thoughts. One is maybe he just didn't believe Moropi and then he comes home and realizes, "Oh wait, it wasn't one night, it was months." And then he has the thought of if I my his thought is if I see my kid, I might be reminded of what happened to me and I might resent my kid. My kid might be better off without me as a father. Mm. That's sad. Should should love potions really be legal at all? Is there anything good that comes from love potions? That's a good question. They they don't seem to serve any helpful purpose. Yeah, I try to think of anything and I can't. Yeah. All right. Well, that answers that question. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean they're not going to exist, though. I mean, there's plenty of potions that probably don't serve a good purpose. They still are made and they're still utilized same thing with spells yeah but as we learn in this chapter they're they can be highly dangerous and like the fred and george are just selling them in their shops they go kind of underground and, with them but they're still selling them and ron gives it to his nephew and cursed child oh right yeah <laughs> just so weird. it's like a joke isn't it oh gosh yeah just just for a little bit of light fun light <laughs> jaunty fun yeah do you want to talk about this point that you have here sam Oh, yeah. It, it was just, um, it's not a clear, you know, innocent girl, big, strong man type of situation rape. It is a this poor girl who's being abused by her father, and we want the best for her. And we want her to ride off in the sunset with some guy. And this arrogant, snobbish, rude Tom Riddle, who is a victim. And I like how Rowling just doesn't make it. She makes us sympathize with the perpetrator and just like the victim. So we had to step it back and go like, wait a minute, even though this guy is kind of a jerk, he didn't deserve what he got. And even though what happened to her was terrible at home and we want the best for her, what she did was mm-hmm. inexcusable. Yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah, I mean, this is obviously a very dark chapter. And talking about it is interesting because, like I said at the start of this, we're we're observing with Harry and Dumbledore and like so once they get out of this scene they kind of recap everything and Dumbledore even going into this chapter he says we're going to be doing a lot of guessing here I don't know if you guys remember what you were thinking the first time you read this but do you are are we taking the word of Dumbledore as gospel when he's making all these guesses here we never end up really having any reason to doubt what he says. Everything he says in this chapter checks out, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I, so. I tend to believe Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And and I do too, but I also think that he knows this for a fact. Like he's already found and dis- destroyed a Horcrux like over the summer, and so this whole premise of this this fake oh we're 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 entering the joyous realm of speculation, Harry. He already knows. Like he he has already pieced together most of this stuff. And in fact, the whole crux of the later story of needing the memory from Slughorn, he already pretty much knows because Horcruxes are already a banned subject of teaching at Hogwarts. And that's Dumbledore's will that that occurs. And so Dumbledore already has a clue. Dumbledore already knows kind of all of these answers. And it's nice that Harry's like, he's bringing Harry along for this ride, but these lessons are ultimately just a, 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 an exhibition of how smart Dumbledore is and how Mm. smart he thinks he is. (laughs) He's just showing off all his research that he's done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's bottom line. Agreed. It's a very Dumbledorean way to, uh, to go about the whole thing, because if you really just wanted to know what Slughorn said to Tom Riddle all those years ago, just slip Slughorn a bit of Veritaserum and (laughs) put an end to it. Like this is a very long, dramatic way to solve the puzzle, yeah. which which is just to get the word Horcrux out of uh, Slughorn's mouth. So I just found it, um, I mean, I, I enjoy the memories. I enjoy going back and seeing how this all kind of fits together. Uh, but Dumbledore does say at the beginning of the chapter that um, he is you know, certainly capable of making mistakes and that when he does, they tend to be bigger Mm -hmm. uh, just because of how smart he is. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But um, what do you think that was related to? Do you think that was related to how he injured his hand? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's also just talking about how he's doing some really important work here. So his guesswork is related to very important topics and he better get it right. Otherwise... Maybe we can't defeat Voldemort. Right. I mean, it's certainly telling that we see the ring in this flashback, and then we know that Dumbledore has destroyed the ring uh, by the end of the chapter, Mm -hmm. and that it has the Deathly Hallows symbol on it. And, you know, just given all of the background information that we're now aware of and Dumbledore's quest for power and fantastic beasts and all that, like it's, it's telling that, that he would want to wear it. You know, I was wondering what was going through his mind. I don't know that we ever get that amount of information as to why he put it on, but I think we, we know enough from just other sources to, you know, he he was maybe reliving his good old days with Grindelwald in that moment. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Do you guys notice they mentioned the graveyard in the opening of this um, memory? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. yeah, just just a town. We're approaching this town. Look, there's a graveyard. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember it, Harry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should have picked it out and been like, no, 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 hell no, not that place. Talk about post traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> yeah. It was also interesting to me how family lineage is such a big focus in this chapter with um, with the Gaunts just like so proudly wearing their origins on their sleeve, being a direct descendant of Salazar Slytherin. Um, it made me want, like, do you guys hold family lineage as close as <laughs> 
these guys do. Like uh, for me, you know, there's there's always a lot of talk about like these DNA tests to see your origins and stuff like that. Like I don't care. <laughs> Did you ever have any family members that were obsessed with like family trees and like dating back? Yeah, to... well, like my my dad and uncle to a certain point. I guess it's different when like you're related to a very iconic figure in the wizarding world in this context but like i don't know if if like an old president was a descendant of me like maybe i would care a little more i think isn't everybody like 160th related to george washington or something there's something like that that's like common weird genetic knowledge but for me the only the only ancestor i know about um was a surveyor for William Penn, the guy who founded Pennsylvania, which is the state I grew up in. That's cool. So that's cool. But I, I had an aunt that I had an aunt that was uh like did the whole thing, like lots of research and kind of it it came out that yeah, Nicholas Skull, I think his name was. I thought you were gonna say um, Flamel. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe maybe I'm related to Nicholas Flamel, you guys, in which case Crimes of Grindelwald is gonna hold a special, special treat for me. This chapter also was making me think, like, maybe Pottermore should do a test where you could find out your Wizarding World lineage. Like, are you a direct descendant of Salazar or Godric (laughs) or Helga? Like, wouldn't that be cool? I I don't know how they would put together a test like that because it would all be made up. But it would still, like, because it would be, it would have to be like a personality test, sort of like these other Pottermore quizzes. But it'd still be cool to, like, find out your bloodline in the Harry Potter yeah i agree (laughs) we should i like that yeah we should we should make that up i mean we're all desperate for another pottermore quiz right why not we need another question in our family or our fandom id what's your lineage so one other question i had about this chapter and then we'll get into connecting the threads more and mvp of the week and all that but who's the worst character in this particular story is it Moropi for forcing tom to love him and raping him is it marvelo for celebrating his inbred family and for how he treats his children to the point where he scares the magic out of Moropi? or is it morphin for attacking muggles with no remorse like they've all done really bad things but who's the worst character in this story all things considered i'd say marvolo really yeah yeah why, why? um without his abuse Moropi probably wouldn't have done what she did mm. yeah and same with and, and Morphin too. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of discipline goes a long way. Morphin has been allowed to run loose. Like Marvolo has let Morphin loose on the townspeople, the unsuspecting Muggles. Like because he himself despises Muggles. It's all about attitude. It's all about being a, a parental figure. Marvolo is just very much not that. He's operating in some sick backwoods, inbred power deficiency kind of illusion here and is not responsibly raising these two wizards and i thought jk rowling did a great job of encapsulating the chaotic nature of this family in just a single chapter yeah you really look at this family in only a few pages and you're like wow these people are effed up (laughs) yeah almost said that bad word Mm. that's what this family does to me fudged up fudged up cornelius fudged up so um okay that's interesting i actually thought maybe a couple of people would have thought Meropi was the worst because in terms of crimes like raping yeah. was a crime but 
Yeah, no, I think it just speaks to how much sympathy we have for her emotional state or her mental state at the time in which she committed that evil yeah. crime. Yeah, yeah, they could. Merope and Morphin could have been raised better, but they weren't. I know we touched briefly upon the ring, but I think it's also uh, worthwhile to mention that the locket makes an appearance in this chapter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all coming together. I read that and I was like, oh my God, the locket. <laughs> yeah, see, this is why I was very disappointed with uh, the decision by David Yates and David Heyman to cut these memories from Half Blood Prince. Oh, I agree so much. For the most part. I mean, we got the orphanage flashback and the the Slughorn flashback finally, but this particular one I thought was very telling and it, and it gives you the entire backstory to Voldemort and, and his existence, much, much more so than the orphanage one. Mm-hmm. But uh, domestic abuse is just not palatable to general audiences, Micah. Yeah. Like the uh, the movie would have been... The movie would have been harangued for this awful scene, which doesn't end. I'm sure it was an easy decision for them to make when they're like, it doesn't directly inform the plot or Harry's story. Anything we need to tell can be conveyed through dialogue. Whereas I want to see this adapted because of how amazingly this scene plays out. Like I want Bob Ogden to have his own like spinoff movie series. Like he just seems like a cool dude. Well, but, I mean, it could have replaced the scene where Ron falls under the love potion of Romilda Vane and that whole yeah. odd series of events. I, I think Eric's but, kind of right, though. Like, they are also trying to make these movies for children, and this would be a very dark scene. I guess they could step around certain elements, but... But without the shouting, without the strangling of his daughter by her father... Yeah. Like, what is this chapter, really, without mm-hmm. that? No, I mean, there's uh, ways you can yeah. do it. I mean, you, you're you throwing a 150-year-old man off of a tower at the end of the, the movie. I'm sure you can uh, find a way to... It's slow-mo. It, it was very gentle. It was a gentle fall. <laughs> Artistically. Did he... The gentle yeah, pillow. Yeah, did he even die? I mean, when you're falling that, that slowly, I think it's a Splash. nice landing. <laughs> Comfortable landing. <laughs> All right, so connecting a couple of threads here. Who wrote these in? Uh, I did, I did. Um, yeah, the really we've talked recently about the connections between uh, book six and book two. I found two more. Um, one of them is that Parseltongue makes a huge appearance in this chapter. I I love the slow realization, you know, when Dumbledore turns to Harry and is like, you can understand them, can't you? And Harry's like, oh, Parseltongue. Um Parseltongue, of course, Harry figured out he could speak it in book two, and it's a big deal in book two of everyone thinking that he is the heir of Slytherin. So the finding out uh, that he is not the last remaining descendant of Salazar Slytherin in book six, in, or sorry, in book two is coupled with actually meeting the last then living descendants of Salazar Slytherin in book six. Yeah. So... That's a pretty cool one. This next one might be a little bit of a stretch, but there's um, on the shack that the Gaunts live in, there's a snake nailed to the door. And I just thought that it was funny that they seem to share the same decorating habits of Salazar Slytherin himself, who adorned the Chamber of Secrets with a snake door. 
um, particularly if you look at the movie version where the snake is some kind of like a locking mechanism. Um, but yeah, we got snakes on doors, just like the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, well, it just shows how proud he is of his lineage, I think. I have one. Go ahead. A, uh, in this chapter, we meet Bob Ogden, and then in Chamber of Secrets, a third of the way in, is the first time we hear mention of Ogden's old fire whiskey. Oh. What are the circumstances of that in book two? Do you know? I don't remember. Yeah. But what the hell? A little. That's so weird. Is it like his brother invented the whiskey or something? Maybe. Because Bob Ogden is head of magical law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. If his brother had maybe like he a... went into the uh, fire whiskey business after this incident. <laughs> yeah. You need a drink, Bob. I'm gonna make you some. <laughs> I need. I need a drink. Yeah. The drink was a favorite of Lockhart, and he told his second year Defense Against the Dark Arts class that he wouldn't say no to a bottle for his birthday. So he's actually imploring 12, 12 year olds <laughs> buy to alcohol. buy him alcohol. <sighs> I love Lockhart so much. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is wrong about Lockhart. <laughs> Arthur Weasley also insisted on pouring a bit into a cup of tea made for Molly after the riot at the end of nine, the uh, Quidditch World Cup. But that one was... Poor. Yeah, Ogden's is, like, Ogden's is like Tito's. It's just like a well-known, smooth brand, gives a good result, you know, nice finish. It's the, the whiskey of the wizarding world. Well, Ogden decided he needed to make some whiskey to relax people like him who get into terrible situations and... Need a fine drink at the end of the day. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good connection. Yeah, that's wild to me. <laughs> that almost seems coincidental, but I don't know. So uh, MVP of the week, Sam. Who is yours? I went with Ron for always trying to look at Hermione's homework. <laughs> <laughs> that makes him the most yeah. valuable person. Yep. Uh-huh. Consistent. <laughs> You see, yeah, he's consistent. He's true to himself, right? He's not going to do the hard work. He's just going to effortlessly try to. Yeah. Micah, I went with good old Bob Ogden. Mm. I, I mean, I can just go on the fire whiskey alone now, but uh, for the role that he played in this uh, in this chapter, without him, who knows what would have happened? Dumbledore would have had quite a hard time figuring out exactly uh, where to get Horcruxes and how Voldemort was conceived initially. So Yeah, but you were just giving Bob Ogden credit for creating Voldemort and you're also calling him the most valuable player. So it's like you're glad that Voldemort existed. Well, without Voldemort you don't have the series. So I don't know. That's still messed up. Yeah. I'm judging you. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Also Bob is very sharp. A lot of the dialogue here, like um you can hardly complain you don't get forewarning about visitors if you are getting rid of the owls that are arriving. Stuff like that is like real, real smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bob is probably definitely a Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> he also attacks Marvolo. Yeah. Yeah. Who's yours, Eric? I gave my MVP uh, to Parcel Tongue <laughs> because um, not only the big comeback uh, that I mentioned, but, you know, a lot of the, it really um, is a, a, I don't, what's the I'm looking for a replacement to Trump card because I don't want to say that word. <laughs> it's like the um, new Voldemort. It, it's it's it. It's a good way of rub. It's a good way of covertly speaking underneath, like directly under Bob Ogden's nose. Mm-hmm. So um, it works on on multiple levels as a way for 
Marvolo to, you know, sort of communicate with Morphin and for Morphin and Marvolo to antagonize Merope right in front of this stranger without that stranger really figuring out what's going on or being able to know. So um, I thought it was really well used and it's nice to see like the resurgence is like in such a good chapter like this. Mine is Humphrey Belcher for thinking up the cheese cauldron. I freaking love cheese. And I just think, (laughs) I guess Dumbledore was saying that a cheese cauldron isn't a good idea because it can leak or fall apart, but I would eat that whole cauldron happily. Give me some white cheddar or some Gouda. Mm. So thank you, Humphrey, for thinking up such a great idea. Thanks, Humphrey. They sell chocolate cauldrons in the Wizarding World parks. Why not a cheese cauldron? No, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Rename the chapter, Sam, and introduce it with Tablet Prince Chapter 10. Tablet Prince Chapter 10, Riddled with Roofies. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, kind of dark. Straight for the gold. (laughs) Uh, Half Blood Prince, Chapter Ten. It's Morphin Time. <laughs> I feel like we need to play the audio clip here, but I don't have it. Sorry. Uh, I gave mine. Uh, for mine, I wrote Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, Chapter Ten. A cook, the crook, her dad, her lover. <laughs> I was kind of inspired by yours, Micah. Uh, Half Blood Prince, Chapter Ten. Mighty Morphin Muggle Rangers. <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> okay and um yeah so that's chapter 10 half blood prince the house of gaunt if you have any feedback about today's discussion or about our next chapter feel free to email it in mugglecast at gmail.com or call our voicemail line or use the feedback form on mugglecast.com so to wrap up today's show it's time for quizage Last week's question was, what is the topic of Hermione's essay? Yep. What was the answer? The correct answer was the principles of rematerialization. It's the one that Ron is trying to um, (laughs) read upside down Hmm. (laughs) for insight. But uh, the correct answers uh, were guessed by uh, Umar Parvati, Vaping with Dad, Lizzie, Michael, Sean, Brian, and Andrea. We play this game over on Twitter. You must at reply us at MuggleCast and use hashtag Quizich to participate uh, in this game. But it's weekly. You get your name on the show. And next week's chapter, uh, 11, question is, how old is Stan Shunpike? A little concerned by this vaping with dad Twitter handle. Yeah. I would I would have preferred that like the profile name was different than the handle, but nope, both of them are vaping with dad. So I don't like. Know I guess that that's is, cool but... to vape with your dad, but I don't. I don't know. Is that something to like make uh, your make your Twitter name? I don't know. Yeah. Well. Hey, to each his own. All right. So, like Micah mentioned earlier in the show, coming up in bonus MuggleCast today, we're going to be talking a little more about Crimes of Grindelwald. There's some interesting new information about Yusuf, and there are some new TV trailers to unpack. A couple big, curious scenes. They're dropping these little tidbits. So, that bonus material will be available at patreon.com slash MuggleCast at the same time this show is released. Speaking of the Patreon, we have lots of benefits there, including listening live, including being able to co-host the show like Sam did today. Hope you had a good time, Sam, and thanks again for joining us. 
Oh, I had a great time. Thank you for having me on. Awesome. I didn't mention this at the top of the show, but I love how you didn't even mention or you you, you refused to name one of the Harry Potter movies as your favorite Harry Potter movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a first. That's never happened before. What was that movie again that you said? Uh Dear Reader, Wizard People. It's, it's the first movie with a guy talking over it. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Brad Neely. Yeah. Brad Neely, Wizard People, Dear Reader. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. This is like a documentary or... No, it's it's a commentary track. It's like a riff track oh. uh, for the for the first Harry Potter film. Oh, if you haven't if you haven't heard it or experienced it, we're gonna get together and I'll play. It okay, for you. I think it's ringing a bell now that I'm googling it. I but I jumped so, to like the idea of a documentary. But okay. Oh no, it's basically like if you've ever heard Hagar the horrible. Yes, it's kind of like the near dead yeah. Dumbledore. <laughs> A near dead double and cat face meowmers, and he okay. renames all the major characters. Of, it, it's it's amazing. <laughs> plug the voicemail line one more time one nine two zero three muggle. That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. We're trying to play more voicemail, so feel free to call in with any questions or feedback. Just remember to keep your message around a minute long and make sure uh, we can hear you clearly. Call us from a quiet space. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Sam. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.